2: Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday
3: Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner?
4: Numbers Game with your host, Gil Alexander.
5: So I'm those idiots who believe in analytics. Our number two of a numbers game at VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, VEASAN.com, the VEASAN app. Any way you are taking us in this morning, we appreciate it. It's Gil Alexander. Jason Kahn, producer number seven, is here as well. Russia one, Finland nil is your final. And for those of us that are riding the undertrain, that is a good outcome. Here's a guy riding the undertrain. It's Chris Falik, everybody, from ESPN's College Game Day. Uh, Stanford, Stephen, the Bear podcast, and, of course, Daily Wager. How you doing, Chris? It, 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 is there, is there a, mu- a more beautiful sight than the <laughs> early goal
6: and then the official doing the VAR symbol and pointing towards the, the the goal line as to no goal to take an early goal off the board and a, another lovely 1-0?
5: It's a beautiful uh, thing. <laughs> it is a beautiful it, thing. It, it, how, how many times this, did that happen yeah, in the France game yesterday? At least a couple times.
6: Uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah it was funny. We were getting into it uh on our text thread about uh, you know these the, some of these offsides though and and taylor obviously defended the call too and I, you, you're right but i just hate when it's like a, a person's limb is bent like his knee is bent and and that's why they call them offsides after a, a great run i get it it's the rule but it's like come on at some point yeah yeah I, I, I what john champion was saying about it appreciating greatness is it like it's your fault if, it, if your foot is off or your entire body, I get it, but like all because you're in the middle of a run and your knee just happens to be, be, be like—is is that really an advantage? I mean, I I, I can't think it, but uh, I'd be careful with this the uh, this next match, the, the Turkey Wells match in terms of uh, riding that under undertrain. This one could get a little uh, a little sketchy here with uh, with Turkey after losing three nil in their first match. They're they're going to need goals. Uh, and, and a win to advance. Uh, this is this isn't one I think I'm going to hop in uh, right off the bat here and uh, with, with the under two. Uh, I'm I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and see how this one plays
5: out. Yeah, the under two. It's, it's a preflop two on it, and and if you wanted to adjust it to three, it would be prohibitive in terms of the juice. Um... You're referring, by the way, the knee, just to clarify what uh, Chris is talking about. Mbappe for France, I think his knee was offsides, like not even a full limb yesterday. And by the rule, that's an offsides. And for those of us who had the under, that was wonderful to see a goal uh, called back. But it really was just a a knee. I was, you referenced Taylor Twelman. I was amused by the fact, and I love Taylor Twelman. I was amused by the fact that his broadcast partner started to lament openly uh, sort of almost yeah, John Champion. Josh, yes, uh, Champion. Almost almost existentially about the fact that you never know what's real anymore. Like he started getting off of this at Twelman just greeted it with complete silence. And now he's like, uh yeah, but it's you can almost hear his, almost feel his <laughs> thought bubble going, but that's the rule. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, exactly. yeah. um, there is nothing more beautiful, certainly on a soccer pitch than seeing that referee uh, call for the video review. Uh, but I agree with you, a little caution here on this next one. We'll get Paul Carr's thoughts on how he's playing. Uh, Turkey, Wales, and then uh, a little later on today, because it is the old triple header. Italy, Switzerland. That one should be interesting as well. All right, uh, I'll, be, I'll
6: be. I will. I will be under there. I can promise you
5: that you will be under uh, on Italy, Switzerland.
6: Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Swiss have a tendency to play these low-scoring, draw-type matches. Um, I think they play four straight. I think is what it is. And uh, yeah, in, in Italy, they, they had they put the they had three goals against against Turkey, but one of them was an own goal, and they really. Uh, it took that to really open the game up, as poor as Turkey was. But as I will, uh, Italy is pretty a bit of favorite to, uh, to win that group. And I, I can see this being 1-0, one 1-0 one Italy, or 2 nil, or 1-1. Or, or one, one. Yeah, First one's going to have a hard time scoring.
5: Um, let's segue to hockey, because you are a lifelong New York Islanders fan. Tampa Bay Lightning tied up the best-of-seven series with the Isles yesterday. 4-2 to two win, 1-1 one to one now in the best-of-seven series. Islanders still have the home ice advantage, though. Are you feeling as confident as you were before about your Isles? Still?
6: It's going to be a long series. I mean, they, they they went to Tampa. They got the game that they needed. Uh, I, I think the price right off the bat, uh, and you were talking uh, with Andy McNeil the other day about the serious price, and I think uh, – with the uh, with, with the knights and in, in Montreal about how he was going to wait and see Game One and then maybe hop in after Game One and Game Two. I think that's kind of the way uh, if putting your allegiances aside with the Islanders in Tampa. I, I think the way to, that the series is played, that would the play at the start of the series before the game was played was take the Islanders uh, at that price. And then after the Islanders won game one, you had an opportunity to buy back on Tampa at a better price. Good luck. Tampa's is the better team. They are. And the Islanders finally lay, they were due to have a clunker and they had a clunker last night and it was not, it's going to happen over the course of a, a seven game series, a multiple seven game series. And fortunately, uh, Verlamov is okay. And we'll see what happens when they, when they head to the Coliseum for, uh, for game three on, on Thursday night. So, I mean, uh, do they still have a chance to win the series? Absolutely. Am I am I super confident they're going to? No, but, uh, again, this is not going to be a uh, uh, five game. This is going to be a six-game series or so, and we'll see what happens.
5: Islanders plus 120 dogs at home tomorrow night in game three for the series. Islanders now plus 160 in a one to one series. Gil Alexander, Chris Felica. It is a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network, Visa.com, the Visa app. Anyway, you're taking us in this morning on the network. It should be noted that game two of the Vegas Montreal series, which you alluded to, is tonight. Vegas. Minus two fifty five ish. We're we're calling it minus two seventy here. that's on the screen at Beeson.com, But I'm seeing it kind of all over the place. Canadians plus two thirty on the buyback. Um, do you want to play the? the Kicks kick,
6: up by the way.
5: Yes. How, how how do you bet this NBA stuff? Seriously.
6: <laughs> well, let's like, yes. like, 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 like 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 I I you 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 know I, I'm not an NBA guy. I don't I don't watch it regularly. I just. It's it. I just don't have. I'd rather watch hockey or I'll, I'll watch any college basketball game. I'll watch, i whatever. But like here, I'm. I mean, I'm fine looking for looking for free money or looking looking to make up. I'm not going to turn down any wager. Uh, you, you see the Nets and just reading what you and you and E are talking about. Nets bucks after two games and uh, two nothing Nets in the natural only like minus four fifty or something like that in the series. So I'm like, alright. I mean, the then it not going to lose a series and then. Sure enough, you get kind of hurt and hard and hurt, and there you are. It's, it's like even when it looks like you got a sure thing, like things change so often in that in that dark sport. So I, I, yeah. I, I'm glad I don't bet that thing that, that sport on a regular basis. For those,
5: uh, I, I, I'd go crazy. I mean, for those who missed it this morning, again, uh, before we got on air, uh, about an hour before, and then about 40 minutes before, respectively, courtesy of Shams Char- uh, Charania at the Athletic, and then uh, Brian windhorse later, respectively, Chris Paul. Uh, in uh, in COVID protocol. Not sure if he will be available for game one of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, we're not sure if he's vaccinated or not. Uh, and so depending, it would depend on that to determine how long he would have to be in protocol. And then the bigger news, as far as tonight's concerned, for those who missed it, again, if you're wondering, you wake up and you're like, how are the Utah Jazz seven-point favorites in this game? Kawhi's out. Knee injury. Uh, might not be back the rest of the series in a two-to-two uh, tangle with the uh, Utah Jazz in their best of seven series. So, the answer to your question, quite frankly, Chris, is. You can't bet this pre-flop ATS with any regularity and, exp- and, and expect that somehow you know what's going on. You have to you have to totally play the news. You have to totally try to get ahead of it. It's the only way. And like I said tonight, the only thing I'm playing is a uh, is a money line parlay, with Philly and Utah, and calling it a night pre-flop. I, might, I mean, there might be some in-game opportunities. Those are always uh, available. But pre-flop, man. If you're, I, I don't know how you play any of this on spreads. To answer your question, by the way, a little breaking uh, NBA news. That's not nearly as interesting as what I just said, and doesn't have the betting implications of what I just said. But Stan Van Gundy, out as the New Orleans Pelicans coach uh, after one season. So uh, Stan Van Gundy out, and now we have uh, now we have shams. Uh, this is this is breaking news. Also, getting back to Kawhi. So I'm glad you brought it up, Chris. This is from Chris Haynes. Uh, Chris Haynes saying the Los Angeles Clippers say that star Kawhi Leonard suffered a right knee sprain and will be out for game five against the Utah Jazz with no timetable for a return. So, Chris Haynes um, going with the no timetable for a return line. He's the senior NBA insider for Yahoo Sports. Uh, and then uh, Shams coming back uh, with the clarification Clippers forward Kawhi Leonard suffered a right knee sprain and is out indefinitely. So, again, different wording on all these, but it's like there's the answer. He's got a right knee sprain, and it might not only be tonight. He might be dunzo for the series.
6: Like, like it, it, At this point, like reading the tea leaves, like, again, I'm not, I'm, you, I don't follow the NBA as closely as, as a lot of people do, um, but doesn't this kind of have the look of like the stars lining up for the Utah Jazz? Like if they maybe play the Clippers without Kawhi, and then maybe you're going to play the Suns with, 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 without Chris Paul, and then you're going to get either, like, the remnants of the Nets or the remnants of the Sixers or whomever. and they're be, like, well, we, wouldn't you maybe look
5: at some jazz features at this point when they repost them? I mean, every hour... You'd, you'd look at something else, right? Like, because right now I'd be like, yeah, sure. But then, like, I can't answer any question because I don't know. Will Chris Paul be available for game one? Maybe he will be. And then, after seeing the Nets last night, it's like, who cares who's playing? Because uh, the Nets still have Kevin Durant, and that's all that matters in the end. So, all of it is just based on days, one day's information and hour to hour information uh, in the NBA playoffs, to your point. So, that's the latest from Haynes. And, uh, and shams about uh, Kawhi Leonard. Sprain knee out indefinitely is the word. Um, all right, let's get to the U.S. Open. Uh, a couple comments for me. One, I've only made one bet, and that's on Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka in terms of the outright. He's the only guy I've bet in the outright. Uh, I probably won't have another pre-tournament bet on anybody outright. That's just the approach I'm taking. I'll wait to see if John Rahm falls behind, see if I can get a better price on him. The only, other, the only other thing, and I'll start with this with you, is I get, I've get, i mentioned this on the air before, but I want to get back to it because it's what it's what I said after the U.S. Open last year, which is with all the talk about Bryson's fitness and the fact that he could just brutalize the ball out of the rough at a U.S. Open. Shouldn't I have Bryson? Shouldn't everybody have Bryson in some form here? No,
6: I, I don't think so uh, this week, to be quite honest with you. Okay. I, mean, this is, this is an, I don't think this is the course that you can get away with that. On and if you look at his form this it really hasn't been very good uh, the, the last month or so. So I, I I think also the the drama off course I, I think is probably in his head a little bit. Um, yeah, I, I if I'm gonna do anything with Bryson, I, I'd, I'd maybe look to fade him in some head-to-heads and maybe uh, I saw like plus 225 or 250 or so I think. Uh, to potentially miss the cut, I think that might be the way wow. uh, to attempt playing bryce Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't think this course uh, sets up for him uh, at all this week. I, I think the, uh, the the penalty for this for this rough this week is going to be too much. And I know whatever the strokes gain say, uh, say about hitting the ball as far as you can to as close as the pin as you can. Like, I, I I don't know. I don't like Bryson's form this week. I I'm I am uh, opposed to Bryson this week and. Uh, I, I am anti Jordan Spieth as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna play against Jordan Spieth and a lot of head-to-heads. Uh, I'm gonna play Spieth to uh to Mr. Cut. Yeah, there, there was a I believe a, a Colin Morikawa like minus 105 or something like the 108
1: uh,
6: against Jordan Spieth and. And, and and that's like uh, you know, repeat, 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 repeat. You admit you have reached your max <laughs> limit for this wager. Like like Morikawa is a guy that's going to put the ball in the fairway. Maybe he's not the longest hitter in the world, but but his form lately has been unbelievable. The speed is going to be playing army golf, left, right, rough all over the place. And uh, his, since he won that U.S. Open at Chambers Bay, uh, these U.S. Open courses have not really been. Uh, his cup of tea either. So uh, if you could find that Morikawa speed head to head I would be uh, I'd be all in on column Morikawa on that one.
5: I see a Morikawa can't Cantley where Cantley is plus one oh four against Cantley, by the way. And then Morikawa Shoffley where Morikawa is plus one thirty nine.
6: Yeah. I think that Morikawa speed one may have been at uh, at William Hill. Yeah and when I was going over my best bet column. Uh, yesterday, freeasian. dot That's where I had uh, found that one.
5: All right, we'll take us th- so through, s- over to Take us through some more of your best bets. Then, what else did you uh, did you add, end up? Uh, I'm,
6: I'm, uh, I'm going I'm to play. Uh, uh, there's a DJ Bryson head to head, so I'm, I'm going to play DJ uh, against Bryson. There's a, a Patrick Reed Hideki Matsuyama head to head, and I'm going to play uh, Reed. I think it was minus one thirty seven there. Um, Matsuyama's uh, form since the Masters it hasn't been terrific. Uh, Reed one on this course earlier this year. And again, the course setup is going to be completely different uh, than what it was in late January. But Patrick Reed has that grinding type style that, that plays well at the US Open. So I'm going to play Reed uh, in a head to head against Hideki and then Reed, uh, top 10, top 20 uh, is well. Um, again, I'm kind of with you on the outrights. Like, I really don't know if I want to take. Like a twenty two to win or, uh, ticket, uh, one on Morikawa with a winner, take it plus a thousand or whatever on John Rahm right now. It just seems like it's a hard thing to do. So I'll I'll, I'll wait for the uh, the first round and, and see you get get a little bit of uh, uh, education on the course before I step in. But but I think for for, for top tens, top twenties, uh, what I will do is again, Tony Finau, it's an auto play every major for Finau in the top 10 uh, and the top 20. Go ahead and laugh, but it, it, it's he is his temperament on this course uh, with, with the rough. This is going to be a, 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 an event where you're going to look at maybe minus three, minus four, minus five tops probably winning. And I think Finau, with how well he's played, uh, the South course, uh, how well he's played at, at the PGA Tour events at Torrey Pines, uh, it, it's certainly going to help him. So it's certainly not going to hurt him. Um, so again, see now, top 10, top 20. If you want to take 28-1 to or whatever he is to win right now, 25-1, to 1, you could do a little of that. Uh, same thing with Morikawa. You look at the, the last five events he's had um, coming into here, 18-7, 8-14-2. Those are his finishes. In the individual stroke plays, I, I, I touched on the number one in greens regulation, number one in stroke schemes approach. I mean, that's a recipe for any event, any course, any type of event. So I'm mean, taking him at plus 250 to finish in the top 10 is something I'm going to look at. Well, I'm obviously um, – there is really no handicap other than uh, is he okay after having uh, tested positive for COVID and there's no residual effect in his body. Uh, if he's fine and he comes back and plays this course – uh, he's dominated the South course in terms of uh, score-to-par uh, lately. So, yeah, this is a good chance for him to maybe break through and win his first uh, major. And then if you're looking for another another guy who's a little – not necessarily thought of in the same realm as those guys. But Ibrahim Answer is someone who, who, if you look at his last five PGA Tour events, he's been no worse than 18 He's been in the top 15 of the last couple of majors. Uh, He's uh, 12th in greens, 4th in scrambling, which is big key from the rough, 3rd in driving accuracy. Uh, His metrics are there uh, in terms of a lot of the strokes gain stuff. So he's plus 300 to finish in the top 10 and plus 138 to finish in the top 20. So, again, if you're looking for another uh, kind of ancillary side market top 10, top 20, I think answer is uh, another player. To potentially look at.
5: All right, let the record show. I did not laugh when you mentioned uh, Tony Fino, top 10. Just want to point good, that out. Good, good. Did not laugh. anyone. Uh, no no, sure.
6: no. And, and, and one, one question everyone's kind of like, uh, who, who can be the Phil Mickelson of, like, I mean, look, the odds are you're not going to get another triple-digit winner uh, like Phil was at the PGA. But if you're looking for someone at, like, a ridiculous price to maybe factor in, Uh, in in the top 10 market at at a good number. Uh, You can maybe draw a little bit of a parallel with uh, Francisco Molinari uh, as your list looking to throw a dart. Former major winner, um, played well out West. He was in the top 10 the Amex Genesis editorial Pines this year it's good from the rough as well. So, if, if you're looking for one of those crazy long shots that maybe could be there on on Sunday and maybe post the top 10 or top 20, uh Francesco Molinari would be my pick. So, p- people are asking me that, so that that that's sitting in that I came up.
5: I'm seeing 300 to 1 ish on Francisco yeah, exactly. Molinari on there. We only have a couple dark. only have a couple minutes here, Chris, but I never got a chance to ask you this. College football proposing going from a 4 team playoff to a 12 team format. Uh, There are three different Chris Felikas I want to ask this question to. One, uh, Chris Felika, the college football fan. Let's take betting and let's take you working for ESPN out of it. Chris Felika, the fan, do you like it?
6: Chris Felika, the fan, is a college football fan. Anytime you're giving me more college football games between high-quality teams, I will take it. Chris, That's a simple fan answer.
5: Chris Felica, the better, more betting opportunities. Do you like that?
6: I I love more betting opportunities. I think what this will do now is maybe you'll get a – even though I don't think it's going to affect who's going to win, maybe you get a slightly better price. Maybe you get deeper markets more early, more often of teams – to make the playoffs, I think maybe you can get a, a good number. Or maybe, it's like last year, a team like Iowa State to make the playoff. What would have they been uh, to make the playoff entering the year? And they would have made the playoff last year.
5: Chris Velika, the guy who travels all over the place for ESPN to go from game to game. How do you feel about it?
6: Uh, I get it. I, I think it kind of alludes to the first question you asked me about the fan. Well, ultimately, this is not affecting who is going to win the national championship. It's still going to be those same four teams, same five teams that are in the mix every year. But what this is doing is creating interest throughout the country where teams and fans of those teams can say, We made the playoff. We're in the playoff race. Now everything is skewed towards the playoff. You're going to lose a lot of the drama with the big top ten matchup late in the year where maybe the loser was going to be completely out and the winner was definitely in. Now maybe both both teams are going to be in. I get it from the – it's not ultimately going to affect who's going to win the title, but you're getting a – a greater audience, which I think is the playoffs' uh, goal right now. They saw how a lot of fans and teams really in regions of the country kind of like, disappointed and not interested late in the year because no team in the region was in the playoff race. So I think that's ultimately the uh, what's, what's causing this to happen.
5: So positive all the way around, and I guess I'll just take you out on this as the music plays. Um, To the person who would say, and we may know one of them, Chris, uh, who would say, oh, man, it's, I mean, they're blowouts already in the final four as is uh, in the 14 playoff. Now you're just going to have more blowouts. What would you say to Mm -hmm. that person?
6: A, you probably will and, uh, and and I think what's ultimately going to be even better is when you get like the third team from the SEC that beats up on another division champion or a, a team with a better record from another conference it's going to kind of prove what a lot of people would be saying all along that the SEC is the best conference in the country
5: Chris Vallega, everybody. I'm sorry what was that last line you say, that'll really rile people Yes, up. that's really will. Uh, Daily Wager, Stanford, Stephen the Bear podcast, and of course, College Game Day. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. The Bear, everybody. Follow him on Twitter at Chris Felica, F-A-L-L-I-C-A. Brady cannons at U.S. Open picks. Brady on set next, right here on a numbers game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
5: Numbers Game proudly brought to you by BetMGM Nevada. It's Gil Alexander. Uh, in case, again, you're just waking up. Uh, big news all over the NBA this morning. Uh, Chris Paul in COVID protocol. There is some question as to whether or not he will be available for Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. We will learn more as the day continues and as the days go on. The bigger news, Kawhi Leonard out Game five tonight, Jazz Clippers, and really out indefinitely with a sprained knee. Now, Malika Andrews, the lovely Malika Andrews from ESPN, by the way, my mishpucha, who was bat mitzvahed, just want to point that out. Uh, she quantifies, she, she actually puts this into context very well. Uh, she says, Kawhi Leonard will be the eighth different All-Star to miss a playoff game this year, the most in a season in NBA history. That's per Elias. The others, AD, James Harden, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Jalen Brown, Joel Embiid, and Kyrie Irving. You almost. I mean, Chris, Chris Paul, by the way, would be the ninth, she points out. And uh, Brady Cannon's here, we're going to talk golf, but good Lord, I mean when you look at it in one tweet like that, it's like, what are we watching? That's cool that they put yeah. that
8: in you know, in our face there where we can really look at it and see it. We knew this was going on, aD and LeBron, Chris Paul. I mean, the injuries just seem to continue to pile up. And then there it is right there in front of you, how historic it's been as far as the number of injuries. And then you combine that with COVID. We've seen it in golf with John Rom. Now you have Chris Paul. Boy.
5: Yeah. Normalcy is is it going to come back ever? It will eventually. But I mean <laughs> the NBA and this is right, this is not a COVID thing. This is just this is and I said it earlier on the show, there's never been a postseason in any sport ever like this, period. Yeah. Ever. I know. It's unfortunate. Yeah.
8: And you want to see the best teams at the end of the year at full strength, and we really haven't gotten that
5: this year. Well, after K D last night, I think we might oh still, my we might still have wow. the best team yeah, in the end. Uh just just epic. I couldn't believe we, we looked up and saw the, the Nets are winning? What happened? Well, and, and as JVT and I talked about this morning, the Bucks were so complicit. It's like, hey, Coach Bud, maybe run a couple guys at him. <laughs> no? Okay. Maybe not. Um, all right. U.S. Open. Before we get into your picks, and I know you have a slew of them, a bevy, uh, talk to us if you would. I hate that phrase, by the way. Talk to us. But explain to us, if you would the type of golfer you're looking for here
8: I think one of the biggest stats you have to look at this week is total driving and that's a combination of length and accuracy and I think you probably want someone that is a little bit higher ranking on the length than they are the accuracy and what I mean by that is you've got guys like Kevin Streelman and Brian Stewart and Brian Harmon these guys that are deadly accurate uh, but not very long they might rank really high in total driving I'm looking for more of the guys Guys like Scottie Scheffler and John Rahm and Webb Simpson that hit it pretty darn long, but are also relatively straight. I think that's one of the biggest stats that you're going to need to look at this week for the United States Open at Torrey Pines because it's a big boy golf course. It's going to stretch out close to 7,700 yards. The fairways are not as narrow as what we saw last year at winged foot, but they're still, you know, you're going to want to hit them other than getting in that rough, which is going to be mixed with Cucuyo grass this year, what we find at Riviera Country Club and Tory Pines, and that is a really gnarly species, so you're going to <laughs> want to avoid the rough this year uh, at Tory Pines, so total driving, Scrambling is really important every week, but I think it'll be paramount this week. Smaller greens, the Poana surface can be really tricky. So getting up and down around the greens is going to be big. And then I also looked at hole proximity from the rough. You're going to, be ne- you're going to need to be good out of the rough. How close can you get your ball to the hole from the rough? Because no matter how accurate of a driver you are, you're going to find the rough eventually this week, and uh, you're going to have to be good at getting your ball out of there.
5: Uh, this comes- comes to us from James Snyder Jr. Uh new to betting golf. Gil, you talk about live betting and betting after day 1. Is there a casino in Nevada that offers that? Can't ever find in-play golf on my Nevada apps. Is there a book in Nevada that offers it and do you have to physically be there to bet? Uh William Hill. Yes you and I agree on this, does the best job of this in Nevada. Tremendous.
8: Yeah. And I don't know if it's always going on during the first two rounds, but I believe once we get to the weekend, and BetMGM has it actually too, because we report on those lines as they constantly adjust when we're doing the green zone on the weekends. Uh, BetMGM, I know, has live wagering opportunities as the tournament is in progress. Uh, William Hill, like you mentioned. Now, Circa and Westgate will adjust the futures prices after the round and before the next round starts where you can kind of, you know, re-buy in if you want. Um, but William Hill and BetMGM, I believe, ha- have the actual in-running prices changing from shot to shot.
5: Because I think, and look, we we obviously have to feel contented, so we're going to talk about everything pre-tournament and what your bets are pre-tournament. But I just I just don't think you can emphasize it enough, and I talked about this on Primetime Action with Matt Brown, Danny Alvarez, and Kelly Bidlin last night, too. If you're not present throughout the course of a golf tournament and you just leave after making your pre-tournament bets, you're probably not doing this right. That said, Brady does have a whole bunch of pre-tournament bets, and the track record speaks for itself. The co-host of Long Shots with his picks next on the Numbers Game at Visa, the Sports Betting Network.
4: back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
5: Baseball season is in full swing, so it's the perfect time to work on cashing tickets every day. Our VEASAN experts give you all the tools to make the most of every baseball bet, including live odds and analysis for every game on MLB and our daily members only best bet emails. Now's the time to start your free trial and take advantage of all the betting opportunities this baseball season at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. That's VEASAN.com slash subscribe. It's Gil Alexander. Brady Cannon is here. We're trying to get to Brady's golf picks, but the NBA just will refuse <laughs> <laughs> to keep putting out, just to, you know, to stop putting out breaking news. Uh, we talked about, obviously, the Chris Paul and the Kawhi Leonard. Those are the big headlines this morning and uh, talked about it through a betting perspective. We mentioned uh, Stan Van Gundy out in New Orleans as the Pelicans head coach after one year. And now the Washington Wizards and coach Scott Brooks. They couldn't come to an agreement on a new deal and are agreeing to part ways, sources tell ESPN. Not a woge bomb, but another woge grenade here. Brooks' deal expired after the playoffs and then our uh, our program our program director john Goulet, suggesting that perhaps the, the bucks should uh, should fire coach bud prior to the next game i think <laughs> he suggested that i might be putting words in his mouth but uh, meanwhile everybody's betting the bucks like they know the final score already the bucks are favored by six in some spots now like yeah. i saw a six flash up there
8: In Game Six, I wouldn't necessarily want to lay that number, but I would be on the on the Bucks side for sure. And and I was with the Nets last night. I did not bet the game, but Wes and I on the Lombardi line were saying, "Yes, this is the spot for the Nets." Everybody in the world thinks, "Oh, there's no Harden, there's no Kyrie." You know, it's the contrarian play, right? The fallen hero theory. The team's going to step up, and we saw Blake Griffin score 17 points. That team really. I couldn't believe. You know, at first the Bucks were killing them, and then all of a sudden we looked up and Kevin Durant happened and. I expected that inspired effort out of the Nets on Tuesday night. Going back to game six, I think reality sets in for Brooklyn. And the fact is two out of the three big stars are not in the lineup and Milwaukee will win game six. And I think we're headed for seven.
5: Do we know that two of the three are out? We don't know that yet. But but are two of the three at full strength? Well, we certainly know that they are not. That's correct. I think the Bucks win Game Six. Uh, I was on Brooklyn too, every which way yesterday, and as it turned out, too, as soon as it went from doubtful to questionable, grabbed the Nets plus three, grabbed the money line, grabbed the in-game on primetime action at plus six and a half. It all worked out. They saved my night. Um, but wow, I mean, six already. I would never bet. I I'm would not going to lay the no. six. No. Yeah. All right, we don't have much time, Brady. I know you got a lot of bets. Uh, let's get to it. What do you have outright? U.S. Open.
8: Okay, I went with the tournament favorite, uh, John Rahm, and I did get a good number on him at thirteen to one. Uh, I also played Xander Shoffley and got a good number on him at twenty to one. I've seen him as low as about eleven to one now. Shoffley has never played well at Tory Pines historically in the Farmers Insurance Open. By the way, John Rahm's played great there; has his first PGA Tour win uh, at the Farmers Insurance Open in 2017. Shoffley's missed four cuts. At Torrey Pines but this last January he finished second and I think that gives him confidence like finally I got this place he has not gone to practice on the course until it's in its US Open form so he didn't want to necessarily get associated with the wrong product because this course will be different from what we see in January so I landed on Shafley. I mean this guy's US Open record is sterling he's played in four of them he's never finished worse than sixth Patrick Cantley off of the win at the Memorial great California player played well earlier this year at pebble beach and the American express. Uh, he knows the putting surface Poana like the back of his hand, Tony Finau, not the greatest putter in the oh world, but boy. seems to be able to solve the firm fast Poana as well. <laughs> Maybe the greatest record of all the field at Torrey Pines golf course, never finished worse than top, uh, than top 25 at Torrey Pines and the farmers insurance open in seven visits to the course. Webb Simpson, I think is really interesting. Gil, Nobody's talking about this guy. He had to withdraw from the Wells Fargo with pain in his neck. He played very well at the PGA Championship. We haven't seen a whole lot of him. This guy finished eighth at Wingfoot foot last year, which was supposed to be, you know, a bomber's only course. Well, Webb Simpson does not qualify as a bomber, but he's very accurate off the tee. He does hit it pretty long, longer than a lot of people think. And if you look at all the stats, scrambling, strokes gained approach, greens and regulation, the guy flies off the page. He's won a U.S. Open before. I think the U.S. Open is probably the best major suited for him. And he's done well at long courses. I mentioned wing foot. The guy's now contending at Augusta National. 50 to 1, I thought was a crazy price on Webb Simpson, the twelfth best player in the world. Shane Lowry is built for long, difficult golf courses. He won at one in the Open Championship at Royal Porch Rush in 2019. He's played well at Oakmont at Firestone. Just comes off of a fourth place finish at the PGA championship at Kiowa. He's red hot right now. Charlie Hoffman, I got a crazy number there at 150 to 1. He's down now to about 80 to 1. Local product. He's He's played the Farmer's Insurance Open 22 times. Guy plays very well in the U.S. Open. He's played in seven of them. He's only missed the cut once. And then a couple of real long bombs. Lee Westwood, I was inspired by seeing him at the Golden Knights game. And, you know, a lot of people don't realize this guy led the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines in 2008 when they made the turn to the back nine on Sunday. He missed a putt on the last hole to get into that playoff with Tiger Woods and Rocco Mediate. So this guy knows how to play U.S. Opens. Obviously, he's been there, done that for major championships. And then Ryan Palmer, who finished second at this golf course back in January and has had good history at Torrey Pines. You love Brian Palmer, another long bomb with him at two hundred to one.
5: Um, you said Webb Simpson. Nobody's talking about Webb Simpson. You know who I've not heard one person mention Rory McIlroy. Yes, not exactly. one person.
8: Another guy that is totally yeah. off the radar
5: uh, and has great history at Tory Pines, which is interesting to me, right? Like of all the ones that are in the top ten in the outright mm-hmm. market, not one person that I've heard. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. We had Nick
8: Bogdanovich on as our guest from William Hill on Long Shots uh, uh, last night when we taped that program, and we asked him who are the name players that people are ignoring at William Hill and Rory, yep. Webb Simpson, Daniel Berger, Terrell Hatton. You know, he, he listed about eight guys that uh, Bryson DeChambeau, people are real lukewarm on a, on a collection of guys that are high on the board to win this thing. Care to share what he said about Phil Mickelson? What was the line? <laughs> yeah, he said, uh, you know, they have seven figures worth of liability on Phil Mickelson. And he said, <laughs> if, oh, uh, if he goes back to back and wins this thing, he'll likely be out of a job. Oh, could you
5: imagine? <laughs> I mean, I mean, Mickelson winning twice. I don't. Know,
8: want, and furthermore, wouldn't want Nick to lose his job. He he is he is fading Mickelson. He went yeah. against Mickelson in a matchup with Adam Scott this week. Uh, Head to heads, real quick. Um I bet Westwood against Sergio, and the numbers will tell you I'm on the wrong side, but Sergio's performance in major championships ever since he won the Masters has been horrific. Uh and I, I'm backing Westwood this week. So I took him at plus one twenty five over Sergio, Hoffman over Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood's been in lousy form, and then Ryan Palmer at a juicy price over Carlos Ortiz. Ortiz was in the lead at the Farmers Insurance Open back in January and then shot a 78 on Sunday. A lot of people are really high on Ortiz. Tease this week, uh, I think Palmer will get the best of them. Top 20s, uh, much like your outrights, Finau, Simpson, Casey in there as well. I did throw in Paul yeah. Casey for a top 20. I expect him to have a very good week. And real quick, Gil, I played five guys for first-round leader. This is just a funny money I like stupid it. bet, but I took Ryan Palmer, Shane Lowry, Jason Kokrak, Charlie Hoffman, and Webb Simpson for your first-round leader. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Got to get involved in the majors.
5: Thank you, Brady. By the way, long shots with Brady and Wes. Also, uh, this week, Matt Humans on the show. Yeah, in studio for the majors as always. And
8: uh, Rick Gaiman of CBS and Run Rick Good. We had two guests. We do two
5: guests for the majors. All right. Available. We're all podcaster distributed. Best way for people to get that. Thank you, Brady. Appreciate it. Lombardi line, top of the hour with Brady coming up. Paul Carr, Euro 2020 next.
7: I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
3: On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when... the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day be the most mythologized figure in American art but how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that a myth on Death of an Artist Season 2 Krasner and Pollock the story about how the art world changed forever and the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting just maybe not the one you're thinking of listen to Death of an Artist Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander.
5: Turn a $1 wager on the Dodgers or Phillies into 100 with BetMGM. If either team hits a home run tonight, just use bonus code v 100 when you sign up for the King of Sportsbooks and get ready for showtime. Download the app or go to BetMGM.com for more details. And make sure to use promo code v 100 New customer offer paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C. or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated Persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, Washington, D.C. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800- Gambler in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. In Indiana, call 1-800-9 with it, promotional offer. Not available in Nevada. Skill Alexander. Uh, I mentioned on the show today, and I also mentioned on Primetime Action last night, that uh, if you're betting golf before these tournaments, and then you're disappearing, probably not the best way to make money long term. And by the way, it should be mentioned that the Long Shots crew, they have an answer to that, which is not only do they have their show here before the tournament, but if, you're, uh, if you have the subscription to the Long Shots podcast feed, uh, you will get Brady and Wes doing a special after the cut Long Shots episode midway through the United States Open from Tory Pine. So after the cut, they'll record it Friday night. Check that out as well. If some of your bets are already toast by then, you'll want to listen to Brady and West. That is a fine idea for them to do that. Uh, one thing we didn't mention of all the things uh, with KD playing all uh, 48 minutes last night—you know—the one—the one other aspect to this that didn't mention on the show—all of this coming off an Achilles injury. As someone who has popped not only one but two Achilles, and who actually went to the uh, surgeon yesterday, by the way, a year and a half after my last one, to sort of ask, ask the doctor, "Hey, this feels like it might pop again." Can you, can you give me some peace of mind? KD did that. Obviously, he's in his 30s, right? Not in his, uh, you know, older years. Um, but it, it's, it's one thing to recover for in your 20s, which I was able to do the first time around very easily. But the fact that he's able to score 49, 17, and 10, you know, afterwards, it's spectacular, man. Just every way you slice it. What an epic performance from Kevin Durant last night. And let's bring in Paul Carr, ostensibly to talk about soccer. But Paul Carr, who spent so many years at ESPN, uh, you remember... Observing KD in his one year at the University of Texas?
4: Yeah, I'm not a big NBA fan, but I turned the playoffs on. And so, you know, I'm watching KD last night. And he, like you said, he looks like an alien basically, he just makes everything look so easily easy. And yeah, he was at Texas. I was in Kansas covering, you know, KUK State Big 12 and also working with Greg Sharp, who did the Nebraska television game. So I went up to Nebraska with him for the game. And I just remember watching warm ups and, the effortlessness of Kevin Durant. It was one of those things where you could pick my mom who has watched very few sporting events that I'm not involved in. And she could tell you quickly, he is the best player on the court. It was just that obvious. And I'm not saying I thought he would be, you know, the best player on the planet an MVP level type of player, but there's just something different about how easily he could flick the ball from 25 feet in college, uh, things like that. And so that's every time I watch him and he has these giant games like this, it, Reminds me of that and he almost looked like that at the NBA level that much easier that much better than everyone else last night
5: He's he's the best player in the world. He really is. He just is Uh, and again I'll I'll recommend documentary we recommend documentaries on this show all the time sometimes sports related sometimes not Uh, Sometimes betting related sometimes not basketball County in the water Uh, This was a doc that came out last year. It's about Prince George's County, Maryland for those of us who grew up in that part of the country uh, PG County is, without a doubt, sorry New York City, sorry Philly, I know <laughs> this is exciting, I know that you guys feel this way about your towns, but there's no county in America that produces more NBA players than PG County, which is east, the suburb east of Washington, D.C., KD uh, featured in it, uh, Michael Beasley, Ty Lawson, <laughs> Jeff Green, I mean, so many, on and on and on, it's just an amazing thing, um, the Grant kids, I mean, on. I, I could list you everybody but check it out basketball county in the water uh all right this morning one nil russia gets it done uh over finland yet another goal called back on uh, var for those of us who have unders it's a beautiful thing
4: mm-hmm. yep yeah and those of us who had russia winning the game it was a beautiful thing you see finland scoring four minutes in you're like, oh boy, here we go here we go. They're gonna score on their, they're gonna score on their one shot at the game again Uh, but if looked actually better than expected kind of over the course of the game, they were chasing, so they had to push a little bit more, but it it makes this group super interesting. You got uh, three teams on three points so far.
5: Well, Portugal, that was a bad beat for under players. Uh, If you didn't (laughs) buy it up to three, it was scoreless, uh, deep into that. Uh, I believe it was, what was it? The 84th minute. Don't hold me to that minute. Exactly. But it was, I think it was the 84th minute ends up three nil. Uh, how did you think Portugal looked overall?
4: They look good. You know, 3-0 is uh, flattering to Portugal. But, yeah, they looked legit. They looked like a team that could they could knock off France. They could knock off Germany. They could make a run again. So, yeah, they looked, I think, you know, on the good end of what we thought they could be. It's kind of, kind of what was expected. But Portugal, you know, tends to be sluggish in qualifying in group stages. You know, they had three draws in 2016 before they won the title. So seeing them come out and take care of business against the team that is by far the worst in the group is a good sign. They get the three points. You know, and they put themselves, especially with a three-goal win, even if they lose their next two games, if they have three points and a plus-one goal difference, they're still almost certainly going through.
5: Portugal three, Hungary nil. Uh, and then the other one yesterday, France-Germany, which you and I both described as probably the marquee matchup of the first go-round of the group stage games. France ends up winning it one-nil over Germany. There were some uh, called-back goals in this one. Mbappe's mm. knee we talked about earlier with Felica uh, getting the uh, the reversal done. Um Not much line movement change for either side in the outrights after this?
4: Yeah, a little bit each way. I think France was plus 450 before and they're on plus 350 now. You know, it's just, again, they're definitely getting through the group, which you pretty much knew they were anyway, but just in case. Germany dropped from around plus 900 to plus 1100. You know, you lose one nil to France and and Germany said after the game, you know, they had more or less the opportunities they wanted. France played really well defensively. Um, I mean, if you like Germany, Felica, Uh, plus 1,100 is not the the worst thing to play. You can get a better price now than you would have a week ago. So, you know, we didn't learn a ton from either team other than, uh, you know, France still good and still looks like they're in third gear. And Germany, you know, they need to find a scorer, a a number nine, a striker. We talked about it with Spain yesterday. Germany's in kind of a similar boat to get that offense clicking, but they still have lots of talented pieces and could still make some noise here.
5: First time Germany ever lost a, a first game in the Euro Cup. Did not know that. Yeah. Um, so not panic time yet, but 11 to one for, uh, the Germans now after that one in the outright. All right. You did have Russia this morning, by the way, people who, uh, listen to a numbers game won't know that because the, uh, the match was, had already started when we got on air, uh, but you do have some thoughts, uh, not necessarily, first of all, you're, you're skipping through this next game. You don't, you don't want to play anything in this Turkey Wales game next.
4: Yeah, no, I mean, if anything, I'm probably leaning under, you know, Turkey was, very sluggish. Wales is always going to be defensive-minded. There's always a chance Turkey just opens the doors up and and starts going crazy here. But but yeah, I would I would lean toward the under. But I think it was like close to minus 200 on, on under two and a half. So that's kind of you know not super appealing there. But I expect it to be low-scoring like most Wales games are. And you know both teams, especially Turkey, really need some points here. So I expect it to be tight. Uh, I would lean toward the under if I had to play there.
5: All right, Italy-Switzerland starts at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Switzerland, folks will, might recall, 1-1 tie against Wales in their first game. Italy rolled Turkey 3-0. Um, I'm going to guess you have a play here.
4: Yeah, I, I like Italy here, and I can definitely see the Switzerland case, but I'm kind of, you know, we're always judging off small sample size in international soccer, but the Italy was pretty impressive in that first game. They were impressive through qualifying. Again, they have a relatively low reputation currently just because they missed the 18 world cup and people haven't seen them on the international stage much lately, but they're they're very impressive against Turkey, which again was a little sluggish. So that's the caveat, but I I like what they did. I like that. They are not just sitting back playing defense. They have the attack, they have immobile up top who can get goals. So they have the players to get some more goals. So this is also, this game is in Rome, uh, which is obviously in Italy. Italy played their first game in Rome, Switzerland played their first game in Azerbaijan. So there's a little bit of a travel factor. There's a little bit of a home field factor with a limited number of fans in Rome at the game. So I like Italy. You got to lay some juice around minus 160, but I like them to win this game.
5: today. By the way, real quick, since you bring that up, how were sites determined for this tournament?
4: Yes, it was a weird one. I mean, it was always a, they called it a pan European tournament. So it was going to be played in a bunch of locations. They had to make some adjustments. Uh, with COVID and such, as far as where they actually could play. And they tried to put one home team basically in each group. So, you know, Italy's playing, may not be all three, but at least two of their games at home. So it was always going to be a multi country tournament. They just had to make some tweaks now that the, once the draw was done and uh, because of the COVID issues with different countries having different regulations as far as uh, players and fans coming in and out.
5: I see. Appreciate that clarification because we were batting that around yesterday. We weren't exactly yeah, sure. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, Okay, so so that we don't make the same mistake today as we made yesterday, because I just mentioned you had Russia, but that starts before we come on air here on a numbers game and you will join us again at the end of the show tomorrow. For the last two games of the day, but there is a game that will start at six am Pacific nine a.m. Eastern tomorrow. so let's get your thoughts on that now Ukraine and North Macedonia oh throw out the records when Ukraine <laughs> plays North Macedonia Paul throw them out oh it's a um it's a long lasting yes, rivalry between yes it two. is uh both both sides lost uh Ukraine lost three to two to the Netherlands uh first go round here in the group stage North Macedonia uh, North Macedonia rather fell to Austria. Three to one, any play there tomorrow morning?
4: Yeah. So I like Ukraine. This is a lot like the Russia Finland game today, where you have uh, the team in Ukraine, which is a lot like Russia. And ignoring the political aspects here, we're just talking sports. Yes, sports. Uh, they're the you know second, third best team in the group. Uh, they lost the opener to the best team, and now they're playing the worst team in the group. So Ukraine needs a win. This is where they have to get three points. You know, you're checking off the you know win, loss, draw games for the tournament. This is where you have to get three points to advance. Uh, North Macedonia looked okay against Austria. They were not, I mean, they were a a competent team, which for a team making its major championship debut, that's something. Uh, But they still only had six shots, uh, most of them very low probability shots. And and Ukraine, again, put up two against Netherlands. I'm going to take Ukraine here, minus 150 for the
5: win. We're always apolitical here on a numbers game. We did quite well being apolitical come election season, if
4: you know what I mean. There you go.
5: Thank you, Paul. Appreciate all the picks.
4: You bet. We'll see you tomorrow.
5: We'll talk tomorrow. Paul Carr pulling the full Felica all week long with us uh, on a numbers game talking Euro Cup 2020. And, yes, we still call it 2020. A year removed from when it was supposed to have happened. By the way, host of the Expected Value podcast, Paul is, wherever podcasts are distributed. Good luck with all your bets, soccer and beyond, and basketball. We'll try to solve the puzzles together. It's a numbers game at Visa, the sports Betting Network. Lombardi line next. Enjoy.
2: Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio
3: app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner?